Well, just to get everybody up to speed on what we've been doing, you know, we've taken a few weeks here, and, and it's, as kind of the fall kicks off, um, a few things are going on. We talked about FPU is coming up, but that's one of our classes that's going to be run like a family group. But we're going to have family groups coming up as well, and they're going to kick off about, I think I heard, and uh, I don't see Steve this morning. It's, he's not here yet. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But I think they're going to go like the first week of September, as it sounds like. Yeah, so we're going to be kicking off family groups. And, um, and with that, with the fall and with September, we're going to start a new series. Uh, we'll see what that's going to be. We're working on that right now together. But for the time being, we were spending a few weeks talking about some of the practical ways that, that we're called to be the church. And uh, we talked, the uh, last few weeks, we talked about how this becomes our model. You know, when we're looking for a model, we're family Bible church. That's not a mistake. But when we're looking for a model, we look into the Word of God for for a way that um, we can be the church of Jesus. I love the songs we sang today because it's all about him. And, and be a church that, you know, someone said, just recently I was reading that someone said that if, you, if, if Jesus would show up in any church right now, would he recognize it? I mean, it's some of what we've come to believe, and it's just new traditions. What we even do here at Family Bible is just a new tradition, some older traditions. But if he showed up at any given location for a worship service or maybe for a community project, would he recognize his people? Would he see them and be like, ah, yeah, you know? And, and uh, we want to be that kind of people. Everything is up for grabs because we want to be the kind of people that if Jesus were to walk in, he'd be like, yeah, this is my church. These are my people. I, I, I understand what's happening here. And, um, and so that's an interesting question to ask because a lot of times we just get into our own habits and practices that, I don't know, they're just ours. They're comfortable for us. So we're spending a few weeks talking about what it looks like for Family Bible Church to be the church and maybe some challenges from the Word about how we are to be and, and, and whose we are to be and, uh, and how we operate and uh, the last few weeks we talked about, um, you know, that we're better together than apart, that we have to cease evaluating one another enough. And, and, you know, I was really pondering and living that this weekend. There's a lot of risk in that. There's a lot of risk in that, really saying, okay, that, that's you, you know, and, um, and seeing what happens because it's different than what we would do, especially for type A's like me, right? That's really a hard thing to do, you know. And we talked a little bit last week about the way that God gives gifts to all the people. Each one gets a gift. Not everybody gets all the gifts. So we're going to pick up on that kind of thread today. And, and, and uh, kind of the, the theme or the thought, and again, I told you that this is harder for me than just, you know, going through a book. But the theme or the thought is kind of bodybuilding and, and what that looks like. And I don't know if any of you are trying to get in shape. Like, I know right now we're ha we have a season off from Biggest Loser, you know, all summer, right? And um, I think I told you before that when I got back from my trip uh, to D.C., uh, Chris is like, what happened? <laughs> you know? So I've been thinking a lot about getting in shape. And um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard. I, I know a few of you are really getting serious about it, you know? And uh, have you guys heard about this program called P90X? Huh? The super intense crazy. Now, you see, my whole exposure to P90X before this was those late night infomercials where the dude's like, you got to push play every day. And he's like got veins sticking out of his arms. I was one of those kids that used to look in the back of the comic book. That tells you something right there. And there was the guy, like the muscle guy on the beach, send off, you know, 495 and get your P90X. Well, I, I kind of let it go out of my head. And then some friends of ours, I'm not going to name names, 
are doing P90X right here in our body. P90X. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Bodybuilding. Well, so I've, I've tried this before. I'm going to walk right near this guy. Okay, so I've tried this before. And uh, what you don't want is a guy. I wish this was pink. This is, what you don't want is a guy is to show up and get the wrong equipment, <laughs> you know, to, to bodybuild with. But I'll tell you the problem with being a guy <laughs> for me. You see, is I didn't want something like this. This is a five-pound dumbbell. Now, I bet if I worked out enough with this guy, I would, I would exhaust myself pretty quickly. But I went to play it against sports. This, isn't, this is a few years ago. And I wanted to get, I wanted to do some curls. You know, some of these guys just, look at this, pathetic. <laughs> Don't look at that. No. So I wanted to do some curls. And so I walked in. Well, you know the problem with going to, to play against sports? Those guys are jocks. Like, they're just standing there talking. They just, they look like they're doing more athletic stuff just talking behind the counter than I've done in a year. You know what I mean? And so they're all dirty, like, like, like this. So you start looking like, you know what you're doing? Can I help you? No, no, I, I'm good, man. Thanks. So I go over, and they had this whole rack of dumbbells. And so I started off with the five, I wouldn't even touch the five pounds. I slid on down to 10, started looking, started picking, yeah, watching the guys in the counter. And uh, I'm also a little bit of a tightwad. And so I thought, oh, I thought, well, I don't need two. I only need one, right? Because, I mean, who needs two? You only got one arm at a time, right, when you're working? And so I grabbed this sucker, and this is, 35 pounds, baby. You know what I'm saying? And I put that up on the counter there. I said, I'll take it. Guy goes, uh, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> I'm going to do curls. You kidding me? And I got it home. I didn't, I didn't carry it out like this, you know, but I felt kind of like that. I carried it out like this. I got this, dude. I walked out. I put it down. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Got it home, I put it down. Chris is like, what in the world is that? I said, I'm going to start working out. Oh, oh, that's it. About a year later. Seriously. And then it hit me. that You know, we, we do these things and we, we jump kind of crazy. And, and we don't really have a plan. Have a plan for how this is going to really work. Right? I love the P90X. I love because people do it together. It's going to be different. Doing it together. That's why Biggest Loser works here. Team 619. Because we do it together. That's why it works. So I just want you to think about that. Because, you know, we have these systems. We start and we kind of go, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. And then we kind of just give up on it. Now, today I want to talk, and I've said it before, I'm going to talk about being the church of Jesus Christ. What that looks like for us right here how that looks, what kind of equipment we use, or what, what we do. We talked about the Word of God already. And today we're going to get right into the Word. I'm going to ask you, as we enter the Word, that you would pray with me, that God's Holy Spirit would enlighten us to the truth of what He has for us today. So join us in, in prayer. Father, this morning we come uh, into Your Word to learn what it means uh, to build a better body, to, to be perfect in You. We're going to hear your word, and we pray that today, Father, you would open our minds to its truth, that you would soften a hard heart. And Father, we come and we know that your word cuts both ways. And we ain't afraid of that because we know that you're in it, and you love us. And so today, Lord, we pray that you would just lay us bare and do your work, that we might be changed, 
we don't want things that are going to necessarily make us feel better, but make us be better. And so today, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just be here. Teach us through your word. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So if, if you didn't bring a Bible this morning, uh, you can grab one. Oh, that, I went too soon. Oh, yeah, I was going to show you my... So here's the other thing I was going to show you. I forgot about this little... So we're going to the beach, and I thought, you know, I, this is what I was going to do, my beach body, right? But there you go. <laughs> See? <laughs> the, at the beginning of the summer, I thought, by the time I get on the beach, baby, I'm going to just, you know, and then it, I don't get to sign my name because I'm not that guy. <laughs> Dream on, that's right. Hey, you never know, you never know. So uh, we're going to turn, that's completely wrong. We're going to turn to Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So if you would turn there with me. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, we have these right here in the end of the rows. You can grab those and flip through until you find Ephesians. It's toward the back of the book, right? And we're just going to kind of work through the text this morning and hear what, what, what uh, Jesus had planned for his church. I know, this is completely wrong. Let me just pull it off the screen because that is not going to help anybody out. So it's going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, right? Everybody there? 8-12, thank you. 812 in our Bibles, if you use one of ours. And so, um, so we're going to read it together. So this, is, this comes, this is the letter that, that Paul's written to the church in Ephesus about how they should be the church, right? And Paul knows this church in Ephesus. He went through there, and he was involved in starting that church. And so he's writing this letter to explain um, how they are to be the church. And so we're going to talk to this a little bit. But I want to start in verse 11. Read with me. It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. I want to stop for a minute. Because not only do I want to, you know, preach the word, but I want to explain some of the ways we approach the word. The first thing, you've probably heard this verse before, but the first thing that caught my attention is it was he who gave. It was he who gave. And I thought, well, who? You know, we can right away say God, right? Jesus, Maybe somebody else. You never know. It's happened before. Who gave? So I want to back up to verse 10, right? Well, we can back up a ways to, to, to verse 7. It says, but to each one, this is exactly like last week from 1 Corinthians, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, right? Christ. And so then later on it says, in verse 10, I want to back up and, and hear this. It says, he, this is Christ, who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And I, I want to start there because I want you to get this image that, that, the, um, that Paul is, is bringing to mind here when he talks about, and he actually quotes some Old Testament there, when he talks about how God descended before he ascended. This wasn't like a theoretical thing for the Apostle Paul. It wasn't like, well, we were trying to figure out how that worked. He was writing to people who had seen Jesus ascend. He was writing to the church of Jesus Christ who had proclaimed the good news and received the good news. And they had, the, they had seen him ascend into heaven. And so Paul says, now wait a minute, the one who descended first also ascended. And then this has turned into a whole bunch of church talk about, you know, Jesus. And when he died on the cross, and he was three days in the grave, did he descend, you know, to the earth? But the bottom line is we know for a fact 
that Jesus, who ascended to heaven with the Father, is one who first came down to us. Does that make sense? And so this is a big deal because when he starts to say he gave, it's not like anybody just gave something. This is the God of all creation who made himself a man to communicate with us, who died on the cross to save us, who then, you know, someone saved the sin even further, right? But then ascended, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. That guy gave I don't know if, you, uh, if you're a push-up star or not, but that's the image I got in my mind when I thought of this. It kind of caught me. And by the way, I want to say the parenthetical, you know, in verse 9, NIV puts a parenthesis in there, but Greek doesn't know parentheses. There's no distinguishing in the text there. It's just talking, it's just Paul writing a letter to the church. And so therefore, he's making this case and he's saying, who, who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe with Jesus. So he's saying that the, the one who came to live among us, who has returned to the heavenly Father to be with him in dominion and rule, is the one who gave the church some things. And I just want you to see, because we all the, often will get into talking about the, um, the promises or the, what God gives us, but not the giver. It starts with the giver, Jesus Christ. It starts with him. And so it was Jesus Christ who gave. Some, now I'm, I'm going to talk through this. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure and fullness of Christ. By the way, the Apostle Paul is the king of run-on sentences. Like he would have failed grammar school, you know, because he didn't take a breath when he wrote this stuff out. And the way I just read that is kind of the way it reads in the Greek. But I want you to see one thing as we get started, and we're going to talk through, you know, kind of what this looks like a little bit. But I want you to understand that this was Jesus' plan. He who descended is the one who ascended, and it was he who gave. I'm going to pick on this text a little bit, and then we're going to, because I think it really matters. Because I tell you what, when I first started praying about preaching this Ephesians, I knew what I was going to do. I, I already knew what the text said, Lance. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Because it says he gave some to be and some to be and some to be. And I was going to say, so who's he given to give this and who's he given to do that? But you know, actually, in the original language, it doesn't say anything about to be. It doesn't say he gave. It says he gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists. He gave some teachers and pastors. And it's important that we understand that he gave them, but... I don't know, it just changes it for me. It, the text changes because of that. So I want to talk through these gifts that he gave to the church of, of, of himself, of Jesus Christ, right? And the first is this idea of apostles. Jesus' plan, it was a five-point plan, right, to, to build up his people. And this is what his bodybuilding looks like. The first was apostles. Now, many of you know, maybe you don't, but some people say, well, it was 12 apostles, right, the, the original 12, and, and that's a historical reading of the text for sure. Apostles meant people who were um, stood away. Does that make sense? So you could only call somebody an apostle if you were here and they were over there, right? Like Andy Rowe in the back, you'd be an apostle because he was made to stand over there. That's what it literally means, stand away. Stand away. And so Jesus gave some apostles. 
And apostles, as you can imagine, the guys who are always, they're going to go. They're going to go. You know, the Great Commission says, go and make disciples. They're the guys going. They're going for, they know what they're doing. They're going to go. And so Jesus gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. And we talked about prophets in here before, right? Family Bible Church. But prophets are those who would be interpreters of God's will for the moment or God's will for the future. But I tell you, one of the things that I was really stunned by when I started studying the biblical idea of a prophet is I always thought it was people saying, you know, in 2012, the world's going to end. The biblical model was that the prophet would come and proclaim the news of God. Many of you will recall uh, Jonah in the First Testament, right? And he said, 40 days and this whole town's going to be destroyed. He was a prophet. uh, Jeremiah went into a town and and said, God is going to, God is going to, he's sick of it. He's offended by you. And they threw him in a pit and he wished he were dead. He was a prophet. So prophets, instead of, we kind of have this like romanticized view. Oh, tell me my future. Tell me the good stuff. The prophets are delivering the words of God. And a lot of times the word of God wasn't a great thing to hear. We prayed before service today, and, and, and it really hit me again. This word we use, repent. I mean, stop it. Turn around. Do something differently. And that's the way God comes to us in our lives. When we come to his word, he's not gonna, we're not going to sit there and be always just encouraged. Oh, he, he's saying I'm doing exactly the right thing. Half the time, 75% of the time, 90% of the time, God's going, you're doing it completely wrong. Stop it. And do it my way. That becomes the work of a prophet to go out and to, and to proclaim the truth. And so he gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, and then here, what we're used to, he gave some evangelists. Now, we think of an evangelist like a Billy Graham, right? He's out doing crusades. An evangelist was a messenger of good news. And, and I want you to see that the, the succession that comes here, because the first you've got a guy who's going. Now, this is kind of like we talked about last week with the gifts. Not everybody gets all of them, but you've got a guy going or a girl going, and then you've, got, then you've got some folks who are proclaiming the truth of God, and then right on the heels you have these good news bearers. Now I can imagine if you, were, if you were hanging around Highland, and a group of people came to town, and the first people said, we were sent here, and the second people said, God is sick of your stuff. He has had enough of your whatever, lies, of your, you know, deceit, of your cheating, of your willful hearts, of your arrogance, of your self-indulgence, whatever it is, of your pride, of your religion, whatever he's sick of, he's sick of it, and it's an offense to him. And by that point, after you've had people sent to you, and after you've had people tell you the truth of God's judgment, you're about ready for some good news. And the evangelists were messengers of good news. And they would come and they would start talking about the reconciliation. So he gave some to be apostles. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. There's three of the five-point plan, Jesus' plan for the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. And then here we go, pastors and teachers. And, and these, I, th- I say five, not four, because I believe these are separate things in the text. They're separate roles or purposes. But I'll tell you something about pastors. So you can imagine in my role, this was quite intriguing to me. I spent some time on this. But you know, of the 17 times that that word is used in the New Testament, this is the only time that the NIV interprets it as a pastor. Once. 
Because every little time, it's a shepherd. So I want to just make that mental switch right now in our minds. I want us to, because we have so much baggage with what a pastor is, what a pastor looks like, what a pastor does. I want you to see, and it literally means shepherd. You know, whenever the guys are out in the field and the angels reveal themselves to the shepherds in the fields, it's the same word. Why didn't it say the pastors were in the field at night? Because they were shepherds tending the sheep. And so he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. And, the te- and so the pastors are really shepherds. You can imagine what they're doing. They're shepherding sheep. I mean, that's what they do. They herd sheep together. They keep everybody going. And I want to say that because these are things that are still happening in the church. There are people who are shepherding the people of Jesus Christ that are on the, you work the boundaries, don't you? when you're shepherding, you know? You're always out looking at the edges. Who's on the fray? So this is the work of a shepherd. And then the fifth is a teacher, and it's a didaskalos, right? It's someone who's teaching. And the word actually means like a doctor, which again is something that's got misconstrued. You know, I'm going to the doctor because I'm sick. You used to go to the doctor because you wanted to learn something. It means those who teach and teach, right? Those who learn and learn, I should say. It's a double, it's a double form of, of learning that these folks had. And so they would come along and they would be teachers. And so I want you to see that this is Jesus' five-point plan for his church. And when it says that it was him who ascended, you'll remember that when he left, he really did say, be the church. And he entrusted us with great opportunity to serve him. And in these ways, some were sent, some were speaking God's truth, Some were bringing good news. Some were shepherding the people. And some were teaching the truth. This becomes Jesus' plan for his church. So, just to make sure, I mean, this actually happened with Jesus' resurrection. I mean, this actually happened with his ascension. When, 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 When Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus... I want you to flip back with me to, to the opening verse. I want you to hear what the purpose of this letter is here with me. In, in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, by the way, look what he says about himself. An apostle, he's one who is sent of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the holy ones in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And then I want you to jump down to verse 15 with me. Because when Paul talks to these folks, these, the church in Ephesus, he says, this is the reason that since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he's saying, he's talking about, um, you know the gospel. You are God's chosen holy ones. He is working in you. But he lays out Jesus' plan in these, five, in these five areas. Does that make sense? So I just want to say, I, and I think about, I, I'm really trying to get into that, what it meant for them in Ephesus to first read this book. Because they saw the apostles, I mean, Paul said, I'm one. And, and they heard the prophets who were, who were, you know, proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ and how he fulfilled scripture. And, and, and they had the good news of his redemption. But then they're in this place, Ephesus, they're in this place of, of what do we do and who are we? And he starts to talk about these, these roles of shepherding and teaching the people of God. So I just want you to have that in your mind. We're, we're te- teaching it or we're, we're learning from this text. 
that this is his plan. One more thing before we move on, and it's this. I want you to see that Jesus, and this is going to be obvious because you go, that's just the way you always know. Jesus fulfilled all five roles perfectly. Now think about that. Jesus himself fulfilled all of these roles in his own ministry on earth. He was sent. He, he said many times, it was for this reason I have come into the world. Jesus was clearly, he was sent out into the desert and brought back. He was sent, and he, we talked about before how he is always going somewhere else, going somewhere else. Wherever God sent him, he was going. Jesus brought difficult messages from God. He taught that you have to repent and believe the good news. He, he taught a lesson where he said, it's easier that a camel would squeeze through a needle then people who have money get into heaven. That's a hard teaching. He taught his disciples that if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't have eternal life. That was a hard teaching. And so he served in this way to proclaim the truth that God has for us. Um, he brought, uh, so that that's, he was sent he brought difficult messages from God, but he brought good news. And the one that stuck out in my mind was when he was on the cross, right? And there was two other people being crucified near him. And he turned to one and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he is the bearer of good news. We think of the miracles that he's done in his, his, his earthly ministry, but that must have been the greatest news for that man to hear. He shepherded his people. You'll remember one of the last commands he gave Peter after his resurrection was, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He said, do you love me, Peter? That's what I'm asking you to do. And then he taught truth un, un, um, apologetically. He would kind of take those Old Testament laws and he would say, yeah, I know I, you think you know what the rules are. You've heard it said, but I say this. And he would teach the truth. And so in that way, he fulfilled all of these himself and he gave some of each to the church when he ascended. All right? So then, so then here's the next step. So if it's Jesus' plan, and this is how it works, right? How the plan works. I want to go ahead and, and press on in the text and see what it says. In verse 12, it says, To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. It's just a mouthful, attaining to the, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, right? But here's what's funny. In verse 12, it says, to prepare God's people for works of service. And, and I love this, right? The, the word for service is diakonos, right? That service ministry. You remember that the first time we hear that is in the book of Acts when they say they appointed deacons to wait tables. These were service-oriented people. And I actually believe here at Family Bible we have a lot of service-oriented people that are, that are being used by God for his kingdom building. That we serve, we show love through service. But it says to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And, and what's funny is I was really excited because I thought this is how the body... That, this is how we are going to build the body. So I get, get excited about it. We're going to take people and then we are going to encourage them to be deacons, to be servants, to find a place to serve, to do their part. And then because of that, that's, we're going to build the church. 
We're going to make the church strong like those curls, right? We're going we're gonna to use, use these five offices to exercise the deaconess, the deaconess muscles, the diaconos muscles of our church and build it up. But actually, and I was really surprised by this, it doesn't say that, that uh, we do the building there. A way to really read this properly is this. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's KJV, right? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why the gift was given. It was given just to have that result on the body. In other words, we aren't going to do anything to make this work happen, but the gifts of Jesus through these... these um, once we're sent and these tellers of truth and are, are going to bring this about in his church. It's Jesus' plan. Again, I, I got really stuck on this this week because I kept thinking, what does that mean? You know, because I had a plan. It means that this work of perfecting saints is done through these gifts of Jesus, and we don't really get to be, you know, we don't get to make our own plan <laughs> how that's going to look. That, remember I talked to you earlier about the control, about the thing, you know, about needing to, okay, so, so we're not going to do that, but the work will be done because of the gifts. I don't know if I'm putting too fine of a point on this. This is what freaked me out. There's no verbs in that. If you look at your NIV, it says to prepare. Mm -mm. That's not a verb in Greek. It says they will be prepared. They, I mean, they, it's a state of being. Uh, built up, it's not a verb. It's a noun. They are built up. It's the truth. Because of the gifts of Jesus. And that just kind of struck me. So, how it works is that Jesus makes it happen. But now here's where we get to the amazing results, right? So here's the results of it. Until, and this is where we get, we reach, we grasp unity in faith. Unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. We become mature, which means being perfected, perfect men. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that becomes what we do. That becomes what the result is of these five, five um, service ministries, these five areas over us. And see, this is a really big deal to me because then you get into 14. See, it says we're going to reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Remember Christ, the one that ascended and descended, descended and ascended. We're going to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ as his people. Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is the head, that is Christ. 
And from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. And so we have this result, resulting unity in our faith and this unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then we, I want to read that again. And then we become mature. We, 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 we get to that state attain the full measure of Christ. And I can't get my head around that. I can't get my head around that. To be as impactful as Jesus Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, he rocked the world. and He says, my church will do it. My church will do it. I think part of the reason is that I'm too small-minded. For this. You know, this week, I was, I was out and um, just kind of out and around and just living, right, like all of you, seeing what God is doing in and around us. And I was stunned by the idea of a parachurch ministry. Do you know what a parachurch ministry is? It's a ministry that's irrespective of any church. They, they kind of, they saw this need and, and they, they were tired of being torn between this church and that church and the politics and the, the whatever it is, you know, that kind of closed-mindedness. And they began to develop these organizations that exist outside of the paradigm, outside of any one church, but representing the whole church. And it hit me that every church is called to be parachurch. That, that all of this us and them language is completely destructive. That we are the church. That they are the church. Does that make sense? And that, that these organizations that are trying to find a way to help us all play nice is ridiculous because we should all be playing nice anyway. That's what he's saying. When the whole body, when the whole Body, instead speaking truth, love all things. We will grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. His people, not one church, not a church, not my church, but the church of Jesus Christ. That's why I can't get my head around it. Because I'm too small minded. And we will, we will grow into the fullness of Jesus. I want to I point out another thing. So, so this involves us, right? This involves us. Because there's a change in verse 14 where it says, we. I want you to remember that Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus about the, the um, gifts that Jesus has given them. But he includes himself. And when he says, then we. He doesn't say you, and that's significant. He's not saying, then you will no longer be infants. But we, all of us. When we grow into the fullness of Christ, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth. We will no longer be blown about by every current wind or change, but we will discern the truth and we will follow Jesus. And that language uses all the way through. Instead, speaking the truth with love and, and family Bible church, we got to get there. You know what I'm saying? We got to get to a place where we can speak the truth to one another, but do it in a way that's loving. Jesus is the model for that behavior, but sometimes it comes as a rebuke. I don't know, I don't know if we can get there. I, I'm praying we can get there. See, God can work with truth. 
We will in all things grow up to him as the head, being perfected in Jesus. And then the very last thing, you know, is that the work begins and ends in Jesus. It says that from the same one, all the pieces is what the word says. All the pieces are put together like this, but they're not just put together. He binds them up and it's all in Christ Jesus. But I tell you what, this is what I was thinking about when you look in the mirror. Just see how silly that picture looked earlier of my head on that dude's body? It was a joke, right? But I wonder, what does Christ's head look like on us? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not trying to be too heavy about it, but I just think, Jesus, save us. Show us the way. Not just Family Bible, but the church, the Big C Church, because it must look ridiculous what's under him. It would be like the worst Photoshop job ever to paste his majesty on his body as it is. So, you know, I, 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 um, I just want to be praying about that. And I want to let go of all the stuff that we don't have to hold on to anymore. And I want to be able to be the church and again, like I said, with a parachurch idea, just, just be the church. And I think we can do that together. I believe we can. At the end of the day, um, you know, we remember Jesus and what, what he did and how he looked. Um, what his ultimate sacrifice of love looked like. I don't know. Jesus died for our sins. But he died for our redemption. He died for us all to be bound up and hooked together and linked up and matched up and built up and strong. His people. I don't know if we look like that a lot. I'm going to invite you to pray with me and we're going to worship and I don't know what your response looks like today. I... I, I I want to, you to know that wherever you are, you can start following Jesus today, and it ain't about us, and we won't make a show of it. You can just decide in your heart that you're going to check it out. You can read his word for yourself. You can talk to him yourself. You can talk to a, a friend or somebody that you know here who, is, uh, who knows him or who wants to share that with you. I want us to think, too, about how we are the church, you know? How are we being small-minded about his big things? And just trust him to draw us into that place. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we come to you today, your people gathered in your name for your purposes to grow to be more like you.
we admit that when we look in the mirror, it doesn't look right. That those areas that, that we don't reflect you, your glory and your purposes, your kingdom, your love, your sacrifice. And so today, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would, would just continually build us into that body. That we could be strengthened and we could be renewed. Uh, we could just love you, be in you, grow with you. And Father, for many of us, we have those hurts that are deep hurts and we need healing. And, and so we ask that the healer would heal us there, would, would bind those areas up and restore them. And then let us be your people. You know, not, not just here on Sunday mornings, but everywhere we go. Let us be your people. Let us be those that you would send. Those who would proclaim the truth of God. Those who would shepherd and bind up and invite love. And you know, Jesus, I don't even hardly know what I'm asking for today. I just know that you have made these promises over us and we want to live into them with everything that we have, we want to live into them. So have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. And may we give you glory and honor. May we be found to be complete in you. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen.